0: I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the February 2, 2016 edition of Ask a Leader. UCI Law School and Anthropology Professor Olufunmi Malayo Arewa. I'm gonna call her Funmi during the show, and CEO of 234 Media, Deo Ogunyemi, will call it in from LA along with two beautiful Nigerian directors. Ms. Bello and Mr. Devio. They are going to be talking about the Nigerian Film Festival. It's the Nollywood Workshop at the University of California Law School from now until the end of the week. Then we'll close the show with the longest list ever of things you can do during the six hours that everyone else is using to gawk at the Super Bowl pageant. We'll be right back after a short station break. Welcome back. My guests for the larger share of this hour are the following four distinguished individuals. UCI Law Professor Olufumi Layo Arewa. She is a law school professor, as I said. CEO of 234 Media, Dayo Ogunyemi. And the two directors aforementioned are Michelle Bello and Charles novia And they are directors in Nigerian, and uh, that is Nollywood, film in, uh, sector. First with Miss Arewa, her research centers around intellectual property and business with a primary focus on copyright and music. She focuses on uh, the entertainment industries, law and technology, law and society, and various business issues, including accounting, corporate and securities law, private equity, and entrepreneurship. Recent publications include... Enduring Hierarchies in American Legal Education, and From J.C. Bach to Hip-Hop, Musical, Borrowing, Copyright, and Cultural Context. She earned her B.A. in Anthropology at Harvard College, her M.A. and Ph.D. at UC Berkeley, her Master's in Applied Economics at the University of Michigan, and her Law Degree at Harvard Law School. Dayo Ugunyemi is CEO of 234 Media and recently appointed CEO of the African Movie Academy Awards. His work spans two decades in entertainment, media, and technology. He is employed at Booz Allen previously and Hamilton's Media and Technology Practice, Sony Music Entertainment Inc., and BMG. In this past decade, he has focused on finance, media, and technology landscapes in Africa. Dealing in Principal Investing, Consulting, Capital Raising, and Serving as an Advisor to the Nigerian Film Industry on Finance, Distribution, and Intellectual Property. He has formulated policy for and advised the likes of the UN Economic Commission for Africa, African Governments, and Regional Economic Communities on Intellectual Property, Telecommunications, Technology, E-Commerce, and Finance. He completed his Master's of Science at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, his MBA at Columbia Business School, and his JD, that's his law degree from Columbia Law School. He is admitted to practice in law in New York. If you were lucky enough to know about his forum before today, you might have benefited from hearing his talk yesterday at the UCI Law School for this week's special forum that we're going to be talking about. Joining them are film directors Michelle Bello and Charles Igbenovia, uh, Ms. Bellows is a Niger- of Nigerian, French, African-American, and Congolese descent. She is a film director, a film producer, and the CEO of a Nigerian-based entertainment and publishing company, Blue Star Entertainment Limited. Charles Igmenovia is a Nigerian film director, producer, screenwriter, actor, social commentator, and essayist. These two very distinguished guests join Funmi Arewa and Dayo Ugunyemi as they come to us today from Los Angeles. Welcome to all of you on Ask a Leader.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, can we just hear each one of you say your name so we know who's who? Starting Hi. with Funmi. I'm Funmi
2: Arewa. I'm a professor of law and anthropology at the University of California, Irvine.
0: Okay.
3: I'm Dayo Ugunyemi. I'm the CEO of
4: Four Media, uh, production and distribution firm.
0: Thank you, all
4: right, my name is Charles Novier. I'm a filmmaker from Nigeria Nollywood.
0: Thank you
5: and I'm Michelle Bellow, uh, also a filmmaker from Nollywood.
0: Okay, I introduced all of you some some of you even with the, uh, academic credentials uh, uh, forgive me for not giving having all of the benefit of that for our directors. let's start by getting down to a few basics nollywood Nigeria cinema is. Huge. It's second to the Bollywood industry. How does it break down in terms of drama, suspense, comedy, satire, genres?
4: Oh, well, and this is is Charles speaking. Thank you. Um, I I think um, we're going to get a little bit of the history of Nollywood. It started started from the TV industry in in Nigeria um, in 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 the late 80s. And, you know, what we had on television in those days was a lot of good soap operas. And a whole lot of people would watch, stay tuned, and watch it every week. And so it was the same, we took the same style, the same style of storytelling, um, which was more or less serialized, which we put into the the, the movies, put it in, into the films, and um, that caught on with the audience. And uh, the most important thing, too, is that uh, we were telling the stories which were very, very real to the Africans, the Nigerians who were watching, the the, the audience we had there, and... Uh, at the time we started, we didn't actually know that it was going to be that big. It was just, uh, you know, it was, you're just flights so of fancy, uh-huh. <laughs> just, just telling stories. And um, it was a big shock. Um, some few years later, we found that it had gone beyond expectations all over um, the, the diaspora, the black community, the Caribbean, everywhere. So, you know, um, there are a whole lot of stories told from the African perspective, as it were.
0: Lovely. I love that. How a story an oral tradition becomes a perfect a, a perfect bedrock for audiovisual entertainment.
4: I guess you could say so, yeah.
0: Okay. And so anybody and so how about you Michelle? Did you want to say something to that?
5: Well, I'm um I started my career about nine years ago so I was kind of new to um, the industry back then and I was so excited because it was already um, one of the largest in the world and now I'm excited um, to just see the different genres um, because back then it was a lot of drama movies. Um, and we really focus on that. We had comedies as well, but right now it's spread across different genres, so we've had a few sci-fi movies, horror films. Uh, we still haven't gone into action yet, so it's exciting because there's so many um, different genres uh, we can still exploit.
3: Excellent. And Michelle is probably too um, modest, too modest <laughs> to say, it, but she's actually, you know, she had a, a wonderful film, The Flower Girl, which I guess is one of the... Um, more successful rom-coms um, that came out in Nigeria. So she's a pioneer in that regard.
0: Well, it's Nollywood is a, a roughly about a 20-year-old, I hope I've got this right, phenomenon in Nigeria cinema. Tell us what it is exactly that you haven't already mentioned. What it is exactly, or if you want, what it isn't. Uh, what, is, is there an opportunity for creative people to... Uh, or? For creative people to really run with uh, with what they really want to say uh, from more unconventional kinds of frames of reference,
3: I think that's probably been one of the one of the things that's uh, um, marked Nollywood compared to many other film industries across the world. It is the world's first all digital um, film process. Uh, you know, it was uh, the, the pioneers of Nollywood were the first people to shoot entirely on digital cameras, edit on digital, and end up on a digital um, format. Wow. And I think what that did was democratize the um, the process of filmmaking. So as Charles said earlier, you know, some of these things were flights of fancies. People pretty much made what they were interested in. And I think even if you're tracking more recent uh, entrants like Michelle, who have uh, somewhat different um, production values or story values that they're interested in pushing, it's still very much a sense of, here's, here's the vision that I have for you know the film I want to make. Here are the types of films I want to see, so I'm going to go out and make it. I'm not going to wait for anyone's permission. I'm not going to wait to be greenlit by a studio. I'm just going to go out and do it.
0: And I'm not sure if this is for Funmi or Dayo or uh, four of you, is there a pressure put on Nollywood directors, producers to act as a unifying influence in a country with such complicated religious and cultural divides?
4: Well, um I I would say um this I is think the filmmakers tell the stories they want to tell, um, more or less uh in a commercial slant, uh with not really going out to do propaganda as it were. But there's a, there's also a, a, an angle to it um, like we always tell the the Ministry of Culture that if you want Nollywood to really reach out to the people then there's got to be more cohesion between the, the, the authorities and the filmmakers because as it were I think every film every Nollywood film no matter how what what anyone thinks about it or what thinks of it you know it, it has its own didactic themes it has its own moral themes it has its own stories right. and um, definitely there's unity being preached there's a whole lot of African brotherhood—the whole lot of um, great moral stories being being told. Um, we are not at this point getting around to using it as an anti-terrorist uh, kind of uh, movement so far, but I do think there are things that in the work. Uh, there are some things in in, in the works in that regard.
0: That's very Nolly, interesting. Yes, I would add one
2: thing. This is I think this, this is, is Fumi.
0: yes. Yeah,
2: this is Fumi. One thing that I think is Nollywood really is an example of an entrepreneurial and innovative. Industry that is based in uses of digital technology, and I think the, in the very early days of Nollywood, that gave individual filmmakers a lot of autonomy. Now, as Nollywood is maturing, I think, as Charles mentions, I think Nollywood may change. the The shape of Nollywood is changing as new filmmakers start to participate, and, as Nollywood grows in scale an influence so some of the things that you're talking about may well become more relevant as Nollywood reaches you know a, a, it's it's middle age in terms of maturity it was, it, was a, it, it is a very young industry and which has come exceptionally far far beyond anyone's expectations in a very short period of time
0: I'm appreciating that and I'm so glad we can talk about that today and so while we're talking about these forces and I I, I I'm, I'm 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 intrigued with the sort of new uh, agenda dealing with the the, uh, the topical development of of the terrorist incursions of Boko Haram uh, that are making life extremely uh, un uh, unlivable for too many people in Nigeria to start with. But that let I um it's it's wonderful to get to cover this this whole uh, new burgeoning sort of industry and, and enterprise. And and while we're talking about that, I I want to know um. You know Hollywood blockbusters are certainly uh, dictating I would say uh, taste to uh, a number of other countries cinema it's, it's dictating taste to this country's cinema and uh, are th- those and perhaps other international tastes, maybe Chinese theater and um, others are they are they beginning to uh, imprint a little bit on Nigerian cinematic media
3: well it's, an, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing depending on the time scale you look at um, and this is Dayo? This is Dio, Yes. yes. Um, in in the seventies, for instance, uh, there was a very strong influx of Asian movies. Uh, Bruce Lee was very popular. The martial arts movies were very popular. Indian movies were very popular. Um, and then over the eighties, as the, um, the the economic situation collapsed, um, you essentially had fewer you know fewer foreign foreign films, including American, American films coming into Nigeria, and that's really what um, was the economic impetus for the rise of Nollywood. I would say that if you looked across different demographics, uh, so, for instance, if you looked at upper-middle-class Nigerians, you would be more likely to see um, people consuming things like, you know, Spider-Man or Game of Thrones or, um, you know, at the the higher socioeconomic um, groupings, you you would see consumption patterns maybe indistinguishable from their counterparts in the US. But I think the further you get down um the uh economic uh pyramid, um it's it's it becomes more solidly Nollywood. I mean ah. it's almost a perfect um uh an analogy to what you see in India where yes uh, Nollywood is very much the um you know the the, the voice of the people. Um so 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 what what I would say is that it really varies, um but I would say um, there are a number of uh classic multiplex theaters that have set up in Nigeria in the last ten years um, but for the first time even within those those um, within those high end theaters um last year or the year before we had a Nigerian film uh funnily enough uh, entitled Thirty Days in Atlanta okay. Um, <laughs> Out, outperforming, um, completely outperforming all the um, foreign films uh, in this, at least in the last 10 years. And we're talking about films like James Bond, you know, which uh, as a former British colony Nigeria and, you know, Nigerians had quite a lot of exposure to. Um, so that's been that's been a, I think, a, a, a watershed for us that even on the high end, you're seeing, you're starting to see Nollywood dominate uh, in, in, in areas that were traditionally more open uh, to Hollywood.
0: And speaking of tastes and demographics uh, matching with that, and we'll have the opportunity at the forum at UCI, and we will talk about the schedule and all that uh, near the end, that the um, Tango With Me film, uh, which I did have a chance to see, that will be one of two presented Wednesday night, if you're listening to the show live, that'll be on February 3rd, I believe. Um, I'd like to know, tangle with me, it's a very uh, upscale demographic that is the feature, but the, the story told is, seem to me, so cross all classes. Can any one of you give me an idea how, what consumption patterns would have been following uh, adamantly that particular, would have been interested in that film in Nigeria?
4: Um, well, um, Tango with Me would be an example of, um, you know, a very a cliche or a, a niche demographic uh, in, in our box office, uh, 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 you know, reports. Uh, I would say that romantic movies, romcoms, um, comedies are quite heavy. They, they bring they bring in large numbers um, in terms of profits and um, gross earnings
0: stories. across the so, board. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
4: And uh, so tango with me fell into tango with me had uh, you know it has everything um which a good nollywood movie would make it you know would, would do for a producer who was good at the bank smiling it has a star power um genevieve um, is, is, is is one of the most recognizable faces from africa okay I think, uh, she was on opera a few years ago and you know and so it, it it's uh, it, you know the industry itself has carved out a whole lot of um, celebrities just from you know just from people just on the streets, people who had, who had, had no no idea um, what they would have done with their lives if they didn't have a leeway for expression. So oh. it's, it, it, it's it's amazing, if, if I have to say that.
5: Absol- and what I'd also say to that, this is Michelle, um, yes. is that our movies are, you know, especially genre-based movies, it cuts across all cultures. Yes. So, um, and what we've been able to do with Flower Girl, um, we've taken it around the world, Paris, Canada, um, it was in LA, screen South Africa, and the response has been incredible. Because as a romantic comedy movie and love and themes of love, um, everyone around the world can relate to it. So, and that's what our stories do. It's very relatable. It's real characters, uh, real issues, conflicts, and so it cuts across all cultures.
0: But I want to say, when you mention romantic comedy, I'm not sure. Uh, Tango with Me. It's I wouldn't give it rom com, and maybe that's not what uh, Diol was. Drama. It's romantic drama, uh, right? Drama. And But I'm yeah. thinking uh, I probably in Nollywood, romantic comedies are probably have more of an edge. There's a little less burlesque than what, uh, what rom-coms would be uh, known to be like in the States. So for those of you whom have just joined us, my guests are UCI Law School professor Funmi Arewa, C- and then CEO of 234 Media, Dayo Ugunyemi, and Nigerian film directors Michelle Bello and Charles Novia. Here on Ask a Leader at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming on the web all over the world at KUCI.org, taking us all the way to Nigeria and bringing us all the way back to L.A. and UCI, where a special forum is hosted this week on campus today through Friday. It's called Creativity Innovation and legal form, and that's what is taking place, as I said, this whole week. Well, uh, I guess when we're talking about the creativity and uh, a little bit about perhaps pressure for sort of unifying, addressing topical uh, developments of the moment, I'd like to find out: is there, are there any kind of censorship issues that these creative involved cinematic people have to to work around
4: oh well um yeah um we have laws classification laws censorship laws um within the 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 continent within nigeria so if you have to do films on um on the past on war you know nigeria had a fought a civil war in the 60s and um because of ethnic tensions, most most of the time the government would not want um, us to shoot movies that would, uh, which they feel would stoke the embers of disunity. So anything that has to do with the past, with the war, war war, war stories, um, it have to be done in such a way that it's, uh, it's it, it has to be done in a very creative way, not not telling the story as it were, but maybe building themes around it, as it were. So and then you know we have basic sensors Censorship uh, rules—you um, know—classify uh, your movie, uh, classify your movies into PG, <laughs> PG, yeah. D, uh, age ranges, and all that. So the, we have a, we have quite a viable and uh, vibrant classification board, as, as, as it were. So filmmakers actually, you know, shoot, um, and then they know their audience, they know the range or the age range or the you know the demographics they're shooting for.
3: Okay. To put a little bit, this is Dyer. Uh, putting yes. a little bit more uh, color on what Charles said. Um, ah. There is the Nigerian Film and Video Cla- um, Census Board. Um, it, is, it functions, for the most part, more like a classification board. The name is, uh, in, to an extent, um, a vestige of the colonial era census board, uh, so pre-independence. The, the British, um, as the colonial power, would have uh, actively censored films and, and other content. Uh, but for the, I would say for the most part, in, in 90 to 95% of cases, it really is more about classification than censorship per se. Uh, that said, there have been a number of high-profile situations in which um, there have been some conflicts between the creative directions that some filmmakers have wanted to go with and what the uh, Census Board felt was appropriate. But I think in almost every situation I, I, I know of, um those issues were resolved without extensive um changes made to the films
0: well let's pivot now to the kind of commercial aspect of and the viability of nollywood that uh, funmi was talking to me in preparation for this that there's this sort of trend where uh, intellectual property is a, a a concern here so that this re- this sector can remain viable so how can uh, can you Ayo and funmi talk to the that kind of um, you know the copyright law and protecting these creative people uh, in this industry.
2: Well, I, I would start by saying we we're, we plan this series of activities. Nigeria is uh, uh, undergoing right now a copyright reform process, and obviously a key constituent in the copyright universe in Nigeria are the are Nollywood filmmakers because they have an interest in making sure that they can realize revenues from from uses of their films outside of Nigeria. I think in particular, so we're, we're focusing in our sessions, which will include a conference on Thursday at the Student Center. Yes. And a film festival where we'll have two films showing. Tango with Me will show on Thursday, February 4th at 7 p.m. in Humanities Gateway 1070. And another film, a new film that will be Agwanae, will be showing on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. in the same location. It, with these events, we really want to highlight some of the challenges that are facing Nollywood faces today. And those challenges relate to copyright. Nollywood films are distributed throughout the world, um, Often, and often the creators don't necessarily get um, paid as much as they feel they should and, and as much as they should get paid. Um, the second issue relates to business models in Nollywood, and we're really trying to focus on issues related to business models and copyrights right, um, in our sessions uh, for, for this week. And Dayo, I'm sure you have...
3: Yes. And if you if you take a 10,000 foot view of the film industry there are two things that two legal related things that end up uh, being the lifeblood of any creative industry one of those is copyright and the second is contract Now if you look at the way Nollywood evolved initially um, essentially uh, 99% of the revenues 15 years ago came from the sales of physical VCDs or DVD right. Um, in the market, and you had a uh, pretty tight um, guild, if you want to say, uh, cartel, if you're less uh, less kind, um, of, of what were called marketers. Um, what that essentially made, meant was that if you were a filmmaker like Michelle or, or Charles and you made a film, if you wanted to sell them within the Nigerian market, you'd have to have a deal with a distributor or marketer, as they're called. Um, What that then meant was that the issues around who owned a film became kind of moot. Um, If you made a film, uh, you made 99% of your revenue within Nigeria, you made 99% of your revenue within the first two months or three months of the release. uh, There was not very much of a catalog value uh, attached to film. So you just didn't have any, you know, many, many Mm -hmm. uh, um, discussions or arguments about who quote unquote owns the film. What that led to was situations where marketers might come and say, well, you know, Charles, I gave you $3 million, uh, I gave you $5 naira for your film to to produce and, you know, to, to manufacture and distribute it. I own the film. And then Charles turns around and says, well, actually, I just gave you the right to distribute it. I never, you know, you didn't you didn't finance the film. I own the film. And this has become more and more of an issue, as, as Fumi suggested, as Nollywood has moved from a, um, a model in which most of the money is made within the, within the borders of Nigeria to a situation where now where certainly most of the consumption of the typical Nollywood film is outside the border of Nigeria, uh, either elsewhere across Africa or internationally. and What that has meant is as, as various players um, from, from cable companies to VOD companies to um, physical distributors try and um, license films. Um, genuine issues come up in terms of who owns the film. Um, so, so these are some of the issues that we're grappling with. And I, you know, certainly some of the more sophisticated filmmakers, um, certainly the likes of Michelle and um, Michelle and uh, Charles, you know, go about go about the process of financing and um, you know, um, doing paperwork, you know, um, copyright registration, contracts, signing, contracts. Very differently from what uh, their counterparts would have done 15 years ago, Um, but I think that's what's very exciting about the the workshops that are planned at UCI this week. Um, Yes, is some of the model You know, there's going to be some work done around developing model contracts, and I think moving. You know, it will it will serve a significant role in moving Nollywood towards um, the role it can play in the global media industry.
0: And I know you'll take up this topic. I'm going to bring up now uh, at the the forum, and, and as you were talking, uh, Dayo, about uh, the the market beyond Nigeria, how important is Nollywood to the African diaspora?
3: Huge. I mean, it's, uh, you know, um, everyone here will give you examples. Um, uh, you know, I'll tell you stories around going to Jamaica, going, you know, going in, you know, going up in Harlem and finding that, you know, members of the, uh, of the African diaspora absolutely love the idea of seeing people like themselves telling stories that are very familiar to them on, on screen. Um, in addition, elsewhere in, elsewhere in Africa, and, and I mean, remembering that Nigeria, you know, while, while Nigeria has 180 million people, um, the whole of Africa is, you know, is a billion people and there are 50, 54 other countries on the continent. Um, Nollywood has become incredibly popular in many, in many cases even more popular than hollywood um, Amen. so you're finding, <laughs> you 're finding know situations where certain words certain Nigerian words, whether slang or in Nigerian languages, have sort of become a pan African uh, lingua franca, uh, so to speak, you walk into countries and Nigerian slang from, from, from the from the airport. People will greet you with Nigerian slang as soon as they know. Well, the, first, um,
0: the film would be really important in updating everybody's slang because, you know, the uh, expats use the maybe a generation old slang, so this is like the new improved slang, right?
3: Very true. Very <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to short shrift here the coverage of the forum Creativity, Innovation, and Legal Reform in Africa. It started, it starts today, uh, and uh, although Dial spoke yesterday, so it's, I guess, officially started yesterday. Uh, it's uh, in L.A. and now uh, in Irvine. Uh, first is going to be African, the African Innovation 2016 Conference at the Student Center. That's all day Thursday. The Nigerian Film Festival, as Funmi was just mentioning, at the Humanities Gateway. On Wednesday will be a showing f- starting at 7 and Thursday starting at 7, February 4th. Uh, will be another one. Then uh, the fourth, the, th- the third item is the Nollywood workshop, all day long Friday, February fifth, for uh, the conference attendees. Who n- you need to reserve, folks, to get in. That's that's how what they mean by invitation only. But there, there are free tickets to get in. As you reserve at the events a tab at the UCI Law School website. So what? do each four of you want to bring and people to take out of the forum? Let's start with Funmi.
2: Well, I would like people to take out of the forum an understanding of the importance of Nollywood, both in Africa and globally, and the fact that there's an active film industry in Nigeria that a lot of people in the world are paying attention to, and I think I want people that haven't heard of Nollywood to start paying attention as
5: well. Michelle? I think it's, yeah, it's important to learn um, about Nollywood, um, seeing the impact around the world, because I travel a lot, and it's, um, it's, you know, letting people know what we're doing, and they're always, they're always amazed that, you know, we have the second largest industry in the world. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess for me it's really important just for people to come and learn and know what we're doing over there.
4: Okay.
0: Charles? Hi.
4: Yeah, I, I think um, we're building bridges, um, cross-cultural British, are building, you know, you're using film as a platform for friendship, for culture, cultural exchanges, and, and a whole lot of things. Um, uh, one thing I forgot to say, um, in, the re- in the in the past couple of years, it's surprising to us in Nollywood in how a whole lot of um, African-Americans, I mean, Nigerian-Americans, um, British-Nigerians, <laughs> they've been going back to Nollywood. To, to, to they, they leave, you know, they, they just... They, they, Great, sort of back to, to Nollywood, and then they, they get their, their sort of uh, their stardom. They become celebrities from Nollywood, and it's it's, it's quite uh, intriguing. It used to be the reverse; used to be the case. Everybody wanted to go to Hollywood, but now a few of them are going to, to Nollywood first. So and, you, the, just, you didn't <laughs>
0: and these are patrons that can maybe help uh, give value to these creative producers, directors, the, 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 the those in the diaspora.
4: Say
0: that again, the, these people that are following the American Nigerians, the British Nigerians, and the other in the diaspora are they're in a position perhaps f- to give some sort of commercial uh, dividend to the, these creative people in Nollywood?
4: Of course, the industry is, I mean, Nollywood is benefiting from it um, in, in all ramifications. Um, uh, most of it, most of the people that are coming, they're coming in from film schools and from. Um, New York uh, Los Angeles Hollywood and all that and they're bringing a whole lot of uh, new ideas uh, refreshing ideas and then a whole lot of interaction going on of course um, we also have more I'm talking more of the the talent in terms of acting the actors a whole lot of actors who never would have gotten the chance here um, they find they find a ready-made industry for them there, and you know they blow up from from there.
0: Well, thank you, and Dia, what did you want to say about what you are bringing to and what you want to take out and what people to take away from the week's forum? That I'll, I'll be sure to post the uh, website as I mentioned. It's at uci law school dot net and um, at uh, no dot edu uh, events, and you can it pulls up up right away. So, Dia, what did you want to put into and have people take out of the forum this week?
3: I think um, you know. I think for me, it's uh, really the, the you know what Nollywood is is bringing in terms of innovation. Um, you're talking about a combination of cultural, artistic, commercial, uh, even technological impact. I mean, these all these different areas are coming together in very entrepreneurial ways, and I think that there are certainly lessons that um, filmmakers, even in the U.S., can learn. Um, about uh, from from Nollywood about different ways to make films, um, different ways to ensure that um, your creative vision as a as a as a filmmaker gets seen uh, by by the you know by the world at large. And, and to me, that's that's one of the really exciting things about Nollywood.
0: Very fine. Well, I want to thank you all. You've given us such a generous allotment of time with so much going on with. Preparing for the next days ahead, I want to thank my cast of a thousand guests for their time. They are UCI Law School Professor Funmi Arewa, CEO of 234 Media Dayo Ugunyemi, Nigerian film directors Michelle Bello, and Charles Novio. Thank you all for being on the show today. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to see all of you, I hope. I'm going to try to get to the film tomorrow night. I've got my reservation for two. If somebody wants to join me, I have an extra seat at that theater, though. So thank you all, and best of luck. It's going to be grand. Thank you. All right. Here we go, folks, with a little.
5: Oh, oh, oh,
0: Welcome back. My next guest is Alan Gibbons. She is an editor at Orange Coast Magazine, a lifestyle regional magazine serving Orange County since 1974. Previously, she was the features editor at Orange County Register, covering food, travel, health, home and garden and style. And prior to that, she was a pro sports editor at the Register. Overall, she's got 25 years in local journalism under her belt. The last time she was on Ask Leader, we turned Mother's Day on its head. We'll show no less reverence for the Super Bowl. So uh, (laughs) the culture, recreation, recreation and culture, we're going to let our minds explode over the possibilities. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Alan Gibbons. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay. Now let's, with the time remaining, let us start. Let's put down a little structure here. The, uh, The bowl game starts... Yes, I checked this stuff out, folks, at 3.30 on Sunday. So that tells us when we can take maximum advantage of light traffic to go places or take back the street with our bicycles. So, Alan, why don't you open what, what you'd like for some of our listeners to consider in lieu of was it the CBS coverage.
1: Well, I think I was thinking back on some of my favorite non-Super Bowl activities for that Sunday, and you kind of have to put them into categories, right? So either you have things you have to do, like grocery shopping, there's no place better to be... Okay. No time to be at the grocery store that's better than Super Bowl because there's not a soul in line. You'll get done in 20 minutes, <laughs> all of these kinds of things. And then you have another category of, you know, things you want to do. So, for instance, you know, back, the Back Bay um, Trail. The cycling trail, where people are hiking and enjoying the outdoors and getting out on their bicycles, can be really, really difficult on Saturdays and Sundays just because there are so many people out there. But come this Sunday, from three to six, that's when you want to be at Back Bay Trail. All right, all right. Well, or that's... the beaches, or you know any of those places. I mean, just to put it in some kind of statistical perspective, last year 114 million people watched the Super Bowl nationwide. So that's about 36% of the U.S. population. So if you take 36% of the Orange County population off the streets, it's going to make a difference, right? Hey, oh, it's going <laughs> to make a you huge used one. you're
0: doing that's crowded won't be. And, folks, we are really crowded with ideas here. Well, we mentioned culture, too. We're going to alternate culture, recreation, that kind of thing. The superstar organ virtuosos at the Segerstrom Performing Arts Center it's a quartet that will be performing exciting works, exploring the sublime beauty. And they say, promise us luminous textures and thrilling possibilities. And so that is going on while others watch the, the gridiron exploding there. So, Alan, some more ideas. Uh, also, you know, you mentioned Segerstrom.
1: They have a, a youth series and they have a Pinocchio show two shows on sunday one at two and one at four thirty. i believe ah. i checked on yet i checked tickets yesterday and they actually look to be doing very well with their, with their sales so if you're interested in taking your kids to something that might be great but get on it quickly okay because the tickets are going fast i can give you something that sounds like a good idea but in fact is not disneyland everyone would think oh disneyland let's go right during the super bowl um, you know, no one will be there. You're not the only person to have that idea. And it turns out that Disneyland is not very much less crowded on really? that Sunday than any other weekend, because a lot of the annual passes are good that day. And it's, you know, it turns out it's it's not the best time to go to Disneyland midweek, obviously during the during the week are better days for. Let you for you know, smaller crowds
0: at Disneyland, Alan. That is a solid tip on our community radio. Well done. <laughs> well, and uh, then what I'm not so sure it's uh going to be so crowded, and I want you to help crowd it up, folks. At Frida Cinema they're running a cool documentary, Landfill Harmonic, starts at two. So when you're done with the show, the traffic will be utterly quiet, and that's uh, it's a, a, a lovely documentary, Santa Ana. Frida Cinema is very close to the whole very bohemian art gallery, art center of uh, Santa Ana's downtown, so that's that's another one. So uh, how about some more, Alan?
1: After, if you were to do that, you know afterward you can always go grab something to eat at Fourth Street Market and anywhere DTSA. That whole downtown Santa Ana region is going crazy with new restaurants that just can't keep up, changing all the time. Indeed, and I was really good stuff. Going I was going to
0: mention Rachel Klemic opened her brand newest black market bakery at the Santor Building right nearby.
1: Oh, good for her. And I didn't so, I didn't hear that. Well, that So yeah, and, and, there's a lot oh, of good restaurants that are just popping up down there and some of our favorites that are that are going away quickly, so get over there fast.
0: <laughs> right Oh, And they they'll close at 4 on uh this Sunday. So uh you could close down the place and again light traffic to your next de- destination. So uh Alan, I you don't know where I'm going next, but there's the Orange County Bead Society. And their networks can be tapped. And let us not forget the knitters. They have their networks, too. <laughs> They'll be busy on wow. that day.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they will be. You know, there's also, you can do stuff like, you know, just like I was saying, errands. You know, if you have to go to the mall, that's probably a really good time to do it, whatever whatever mall you choose. So get um, your
0: things off the shopping list and, and make a, a sales clerk. G- give them a little uh, companionship.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can kind of just check in or, you know, bond in the fact that you're not interested in this game that everyone else seems to care about so much.
0: Okay. And for those of you who've just joined us, you're wondering, what are we doing? This My guest is Alan Gibbons, editor at Orange Coast Magazine offering generous servings of what you can do with the, I call it, the six-hour grant of time that others will squander on watching this Sunday's Super Bowl here on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming all over on the web at KUCI.org. So feed me some more ideas, Alan.
1: Well, I can, I was going through, you know, you mentioned anything in L.A., that rain room Please. at L.A. County Museum of Art, which has been sold out for months and can't get in there. You won't be able to get in there on Super Bowl Sunday either. I'm sorry. I was looking around, and there's no opportunity for public tickets in the near future. So
4: you no don't have room to go up
1: to L.A. on the chance that you'll get into the rain room. I'm sorry you won't.
0: Okay. Well, that, that's a bummer. What about? It is a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just goes to show you how art's got such a solid following. It, folks, it's not going it won't go away. And so, um, other, other. De- I mean, I was looking around, Alan, and I thought certainly they're going to want various venues are going to want to promote that they are under attended and they want to make it available to, to people. But I didn't find it was that easy to 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 seek out the deals. When I looked up deals, it was about. Serving up the food for people that were going to plant themselves in front of the Super Bowl. So I don't. Maybe you had better luck.
1: No, I agree. I, I didn't find it too much in that manner either. You would think that people would be flaunting, "Hey, here's an alternative to your Super Bowl game," but. I think that not too many people want to step out on that ledge. <laughs> so there are certainly many deals to be had in terms of, you know, if you're going to order pizza, if you're going to go out, for, go out to a restaurant, go out for happy hour during that time, all of those things. There's a ton of things going on in terms
0: of getting a good bargain. So keep an eye out for those. Well, I, I had a little bit of a DIY theme here that this is the, what is it, the 7th? Of February and that gives you a like a you could during the Super Bowl even you could do it while you're watching it or while you do not have it turned on you could get a leg up on your handmade Valentine crafting session
1: you could absolutely do that. Any sort of thing like that, right, that, you, that you, don't need too much, you don't need to focus too much attention on any one thing. So, you know, take that time to have it on if you want to watch the commercials so that you can talk the next day at work about, oh, that commercial or that ad or the halftime show. But then during the game itself, you're not a fan. You can just
0: detach and go do something a little more crafty. Crafty, recreational, cultural. So I don't know, Alan, when you did your worst research on the viewership, did you also get a little demographic so we know maybe who's not going to be there so we uh, can sort of hang with that sort of cultural enclave and sort of deepen our bridge-making experiences?
1: I'm sorry, I don't have that sort of breakdown of the viewership. You know, usually the ratings are just who has the TV on at that time, and I can't tell you how many people you know I know who are not interested in football don't watch it during the during the regular season. And they watch it, isn't it? Is an, it is an event. You know, people are definitely planning parties, and and even people who don't care about it barely know which teams are playing, they still want to go and just. Enjoy their companionship with their friends, and have some nice food and drinks, and you know maybe meet some new people. Which we don't want to discourage that. That's all good too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if
1: but if you're not into doing that, you'll meet some like-minded folks outside. I think, especially we're so lucky in Southern California. We never get tired of preaching that. No, but you know we're going to be expecting weather in the 60s and 70s probably. And oh, it'll I, be People I, I getting rain on Sunday. No, no,
0: it's a balmy day. So actually, that does underscore the. The recreational opportunity to jump on during the the three plus. It, it should go along almost I, I figure six hours but people started doing their pregame kind of thing, and uh, all the timeouts, all the ads, all the halftime show, and I, I I guess one thing I I was fascinated the frame it's on uh, a public radio, the end of their interview they were talking about Gustave Dudamel's L.A. Uh, Youth Chamber Orchestra that they were not allowed to comment about their being in the halftime show with coldplay and so and interesting uh, yeah right and so the frame host said Well, Mr. Goodell, the commissioner for the NFL, uh, what possibly could they endanger your business brand with? Would they be bringing up concussions or uh, sport enhancing drugs? So why are we protecting Dudamel and the youth orchestra from any interviews about their halftime show? I thought that was (laughs) that was a great comment, uh, editorial comment wrapped in one line at the close of his show.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a good, it's interesting. Yeah, I heard, I had heard, and that's, I mean, that's bringing a whole new genre to the sport that you might not have otherwise. That's you know, right. an international community and a younger community and people who maybe aren't interested in American football, who will
0: watch because their friends are in the symphony. Their parents will unchain them from their violin practice so they can watch the halftime.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I have I have a quick little anecdote. Yes, if you please. We it. have them. Um, my boss here the editor-in-chief at magazine marty smith martin smith has been here quite some time and he's an orange county guy and he was saying that his favorite sunday in california was during the super bowl a few years ago many years ago yes he and his son drove down highway one and they got to see elephant seals and there was no traffic whatsoever and it was just like the most glorious day and exactly what you would hope for so if you want to Get it a little farther afield from Orange County and take a trip up the coast. That might be a great day to do it too, and, or
0: down the coast, down to San Diego. And to Marty's ex- sublime experience, I would say that had longer-lasting value than what people remember. They push away from the lethargic round of watching the Super Bowl.
1: I can't tell you how many how many years I remember what I you know what I did instead of the Super Bowl. And then the number of Super Bowls, they all blend
0: together. And <laughs> what was I doing? Oh, right. I was at work. Oh, right. <laughs> right. I was putting out the paper on the Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, that's right. Well, Alan, I appreciate your taking the time to go down this path uh, with me today. Thanks for coming on the show. Of course. My pleasure. And that was Alan Gibbons, and she is at Orange County at Orange Coast Magazine editor, offering us, as I said, generous suggestions for how to make a more memorable, more wholesome, livable kind of Sunday coming up this February 7th. That was my wrap. Next week, we'll get to hear from UCI law school voting rights expert Rick Hassan about his brand new book, Plutocrats United campaign money, the Supreme Court, and the distortion of American elections. And then we'll hear from Anna Barron, UCI's office that provides immigration services to students. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening.